This is Law Bites, a podcast with Michael Geist. It's difficult to put specific timeframes on again. I don't bind the commission's future decisions. Um, but reasonably, once the act, if the act is receives royal assent, um, then the government will have to issue its policy direction, assuming it is going to issue one. That will take some time. There are, as Mr. Ripley described, consultative mechanisms it has to go before both houses of parliament and, and, and go um, be subject to um, public debate and scrutiny. Once that's implemented, um, let, me, let me go back to uh, the discussions at C10 and, and a proposed policy direction. At that time, they suggested that um, nine months to a year um, for some of the major elements and two years um, as the, for implementing the broader um, regulatory scheme, including some transition elements, would be rough indicators of how long it'll take the commission. That was former CRTC chair Ian Scott appearing before a Senate committee studying Bill C-11 as he laid out the implementation roadmap for the controversial bill. About 15 months later, Scott is no longer chair, and the promise of a final government policy direction before the CRTC embarks on its regulatory work has long been abandoned. But the bill is keeping the commission occupied. Last week, it issued the first two Bill C-11 decisions, with many more to come. As it focuses on Bill C-11 and perhaps soon Bill C-18, its other responsibilities seem to be falling by the wayside, and concerns about its independence have started to mount. Peter Menzies is a former vice chair of the CRTC and frequent commentator on broadcast, telecom, and internet regulatory issues. He joins me on the podcast to talk about the current state of the commission, which has never seemed more important, but also never seemed more out of touch and incapable of meeting its duties. Peter, thanks for so much for joining me on the podcast. Always a pleasure, Michael. Good to yeah. talk to you again. Yeah, I'm really glad you're taking the time to come back. You know, I think we find ourselves at a really interesting moment when it comes to communications regulation, which is, as you and I think many others know, is is, is expanding. Now, not just broadcast and telecom, but uh, also, certainly, if you look at the law, includes the internet. And so, you know, it seems to me that the CRTCs never seem more important in terms of some of these issues based on where the government is going, but in some ways, almost more out of touch and incapable of meeting some of the kinds of duties and responsibilities that it's facing. So you're obviously a former CRTC vice chair, and I think really one of the perfect people to come on and talk about some of the challenges that the commission faces. You know, why don't we start with what's on its plate? Seemingly more than ever, it's led by by Bill C-11, and there's going to be a lot of that in the fall. But of course, that's not just it. You know, how big is the CRTC's workload, and and how would you say it compares to, say, your time when you were at the commission? Well, it's almost uh, it's been multiplied in a almost a logarithmic basis, uh, sort of like the Richter scale or something like that. In the Ian Scott's rule. The CRTC was constantly presenting the workload that C11 involved, the Online Streaming Act, as, ah, look, we've been doing this for 40, 50 years, right? It's just water off a duck's back. We're ready. We're going to you know, need to staff up a little bit like that. But it's extremely different, <laughs> and it's, and it's all-consuming, and it's apparent that they're, you know, 
really they're pushing everything else aside to try to get even the basics of this done. And it, uh, frankly, it appears to be the, the CRTC at the at the moment anyway, and it's quite concerning, appears to have been very unprepared for everything that's coming along, even though they initially seem to have, here's our, here's our plan, here's what we're going to do. But they seem to have really underestimated the workload that's involved because guess what? The internet is not broadcasting. Uh, it's a whole different thing. And I think they're beginning to really uh, realize the complexities of that. Yeah, we are starting to see hints of that. And the most obvious one has to do with really some of their bread and butter work around television radio regulation. You know, you recently wrote that there are some signals that they're struggling to live up to what has become an expanded agenda. Can you can you start by by talking through, you know, what did they do quite recently when it comes to both television and radio regulation? Yeah, in early August, they administratively renewed, in other words, uh, just sort of rubber stamp the, re the renewal of licenses of, of licenses that were about to expire at the end of the broadcasting year, which is August 31st, uh, the licensing year, which is August 31st. And everything, all the licenses that were due to expire uh, on uh, this August uh, the 31st were ex automatically administratively renewed for two more years and all the ones that were due to expire next year were administratively renewed until 2026. Now, it's not unusual to have administrative renewals. For instance, in the CBCs, uh, the CBC is still working on a 2013 license, you know, that expired in 2018 and was, and it continues to be administratively renewed while the CRTC, almost, it's almost three years since their hearing, um, still hasn't completed the licensing process. But it is unusual to take the entire block and just auto automatically do the renewals. Um, I give them a little bit, you know, a slack saying, well, maybe we don't know exactly what the rules will be like right now and you know, maybe we shouldn't do anything. But at the same time, it freezes the industry in time. So that was the that was the first stage of, uh, uh, of obvious... Uh, uh, that it became apparent that the CRTC was trying to clear its decks of as much work as possible. The second one was when they basically shut down radio uh, broadcast, broadcast licensing for what they said was at least two years. So there will be no changes to anybody's license. If you have a smooth jazz license and, uh, you know, license and it's not working out and you'd like to switch to country, because the country station in your market has switched to classical or whatever, you don't you don't have the flexibility to change. Um, you, you can't sell a station, you can't launch a new station, um, and 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 you're just stuck for. And this, like I said, this is at least two years. Which, yeah, I used the phrase the other day. These are CRTC years, which traditionally take much longer than. The normal years. So, uh, yeah, doing those two things right there uh, backed things up. And then with C18, they have a role um, in terms of determining who is an eligible news organization to receive any funds. And these funds are looking increasingly mythical, but nevertheless, um, if Google, because Google's the only one left that could pay in. If Google wanted to pay somebody 
They won't even know who's eligible to pay, according to the CRTC, until late 2024, early 2025. And the way things are going, I'm guessing you can add at least six months to that, maybe even a year. So everything else seems to be grinding to a halt uh, in order to get the uh, Bill C-11, the Online Streaming Act basics in place. Okay, I mean that. I we we I, I want to come to that, but I think it's almost worth a, a pause at this stage. You know, I mean, what you've literally described is multiple industries who were counting on or count on some amount of regulatory certainty, a regulatory process that works, basically being told that it is going to take years to address their potential concerns, whether that's as you say, a sale, a change in license, addressing some of the other issues, getting the the online news act up to up 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 and running all of these things are basically quite literally almost frozen in place or at least just the workload is such that we aren't going to see any sort of real outcomes on this for years and, and it's 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 actually pretty upsetting i heard i got messages from a couple of guys who you know work in um regulatory affairs and um, they have lots of clients and this one particular guy was talking to him in, in radio right and this is kind of how the guy makes his living is doing applications for small radio stations, independents maybe, and, and some small chains. Um, that sort of stuff. The guy is basically out of business for two years, right? Because the CRT said, has said, uh, you know, unless it's an emergency situation of some kind, forget about it. We're not even, you know, we're basically, we're not even taking your calls. And I don't know how you catch up on that. That's the thing with me. Like the, the CRTC is, issues at least a thousand decisions regarding broadcasting uh, every year, right? Some of them are pretty minor. Somebody wants to change their, you know, Canadian content uh, uh, allocations or funding for this. They want to, they want to change the, the, uh, their CCD from this charity to that charity because this charity no longer exists. They've got to file their financials. There's, I mean, there's so much stuff that goes on for a regulated business like a, even a relatively small radio station, um, just trying to just trying to keep up with regulatory affairs, is that I don't know how you sort of put two thousand or three thousand or between two and three thousand for for sure decisions on hold, and then catch up with them, like <laughs> without without really really uh, getting getting a lot more resources, and I think. At a time like this, that's so volatile for media, um, and radios, you know, as exposed as anybody else, it's a remarkable thing to do. No, that, uh, it's amazing. It's amazing when you when you put it in that context in terms of the the number of decisions and the impact, and that is on top of delays on outstanding decisions. You mentioned the CR, the CBC, which has been outstanding. There was recently decision involving Fox, and which. The CRTC made it clear they aren't doing anything on this for, uh, I think some suggested potentially decades. It's going to take a very long time to to look at some of these issues. It really feels like a, a, a commission that that simply isn't on on top of things at the very time when its relevance, at least in terms of if you're gonna if you're gonna establish regulations, you need a regulator to follow through. Uh, it's never been more central to some of these kinds of issues. Yeah, I mean, one of the criticisms, I mean, you know, when when Ms. Eratridis was uh, uh, named the chair of, of the commission, um, there were a lot of good things 
said about her. And there are a lot of good things that can be said about her in terms of her her track record in uh, in government. Um, she's you know there's uh, no question that she's a smart person. No question that she understands a lot of the files, et cetera, et cetera. So. I want to be, you know, cautious with criticism, but it, this isn't my criticism. But the one question mark that came up in talking to people was they wondered how much management experience she had, and that that might be a bit of a challenge. You know, that maybe she should, you know, just to like pause, go out, take a couple courses, make sure she has, uh, you know, some mentors to talk to, some people to help her along, because this is. You know, this is a significantly sized organization, and you're not just the chair, you're the chief executive officer. And that's a big job. Um, and it's a really important job. And with all this stuff going on, it would be a challenge for, you know, even the most experienced executive to sort of manage all these files and prioritize things and, and at the same time meet service standards and and then add the complexity of she's trying to figure out how to manage her own commission because at the end of the day she just has one vote um you know she's got a, a good uh i don't I, okay i'll use the word sidekick because but it's not fair to him adam scott's a distinguished public servant as well and the vice chair of telecom there to help her but both of them are new to that environment and you know you're going to have to bring these decisions in front of your commissioners and when the vote is called, you want to know you're going to win, right? So you need to know how to manage the room and all those other sorts of things. So it's very complicated. And seeing all these things go on leads one to, you know, so that there's, there's two options. One was that she just inherited a big mess from her predecessor and that it's really tough to clean that up. And it could be both of these things. And, and the other one is, and the first one could be involved in this, like I said, is that she's just got she's just swamped, right? She's just swamped because some of these decisions, the timing of them is so late in the year that it looks like they, panicky is too strong a word, but it looks like they were made under stress. Yeah, it's an interesting observation. You know, the, you know what, one of the things that strikes me as notable, and it's not with the current chair because she was not appearing, she was not in her role at the time, but, you know, throughout certainly the C-11 process and certainly to an extent the C-18 process as well, there were people who were concerned about precisely this issue, uh, raised this, this was raised as a concern, uh, but there were assurances that were provided, certainly Ian Scott, as you mentioned, said they, they were ready. Uh, the minister at the time, Pablo Rodriguez, said they were ready. We had certain groups uh, that were supportive of the legislation that said they had every confidence in the CRTC as well. But, you know, it, it, it's clear, you know, as you outline it, that that simply that has not unfolded in the way that 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 the assurances suggested they would. You know, what are your thoughts at this stage on what can be done? Oh, boy. Uh, well, I mean, their best bet, uh, it always was going to be, in my in my view, their best bet with the, the Online Streaming Act would be to make the playing field as small as possible, right? Uh, don't talk about, you know, uh, decisions where you're going to be regulating everybody who has more than $10 million a year in revenue. Don't even talk about people who have more than $50 million in revenue. Make it at least 100 
I don't know, maybe make it 150. Because when the from the political point of view, which is hovering behind them the whole time on this, the purpose of this act was always to get money from web giants, right? For the Canada Media Fund, um, and that and get it flowing to redistribute to um, the uh, uh, film and television pr production community. So just go and get money from web giants. <laughs> That's my advice. They're like make it make it as small a group as possible. Um, let all these other interveners know, uh, you know, all the all the YouTubers and that sort of stuff. That don't worry, we're not going to we're not going to. This isn't going to have any impact on you. We're gonna we're gonna uh, uh, leave you alone uh, for years and just go ahead and get get the money from web giants. I think that's really their only way out because otherwise they're just creating more work for themselves and they're moving into they're moving into a really interesting new territory um in terms of the fact that they are dealing with a group of people in many cases now that they've never had to deal with before and these are people and you can see how it unfolded with bill c18 these are people who can just say now nah, you know what we don't like these rules we're out of here and they've never had that before right They've always had any CRTC hearing. The room is full of people who depend for their existence on having a CRTC license. So they're just arguing over the terms and conditions of that of those licensing arrangements and their other arrangements with that sort of stuff. They've never had to deal with, I mean, Netflix or Disney Plus or somebody can sort of say, okay, well, here's what we want. Um, and okay, you guys come up with different rules, then we'll we'll think about whether we want to stay or not. Yeah, that's so a, they're in a real pickle. That is a really interesting observation to see that it's not just the kinds of regulations and issues that they are changing, but the players themselves, of course, have changed and uh, players who are far less beholden to uh, can, to Canada, potentially, and certainly to ca a Canadian regulatory environment. You know, beyond the, the workload issues and even potentially some of the expertise and experience issues that you've highlighted. I think there's another concern, and I'm not sure if this is totally new or not, but I think it has become pronoun more pronounced in, in recent months. And that, I think, is the independence of the CRTC. You know, it's cropped up several times, notably with, I think, Bill C-11, where the commission was often perceived to really be an advocate for the bill. You know, you had Ian Scott appear multiple times, kept coming back to try to get his, his story straight in a way that sure seemed like there was active encouragement to to try to forestall some of the kinds of things that he had said earlier. Although in fairness to him, he kept repeating it because, well, that, that was the reality of the bill. Uh, but there was a regularly attempts to, I felt, and I think a lot of people felt to downplay some of the concerns with that legislation and committee. They released an FAQ that looked a whole lot like some of the government documents and even had some reports now that talk about some of the active communication that has existed between the CRTC and heritage. You know, for, from your perspective, is there an independence problem? Is it is it just a perception of a problem, or or do you get the sense that that it goes deeper than that? That a that a regulator whose whose legitimacy and credibility is premised at least in part on being an independent arbiter, suddenly now may see some of that compromised a bit by a perception that it is more closely aligned to the government. Yeah, I think I think for a an arm's length. Uh, regulator it's, that's supposed to be independent. I think what's really missing are any signals from the regulator itself that it is mindful of its reputation as an independent regulator. 
and and that's one of the things where you know sometimes it's what you're not seeing that can be as worrisome as what you are seeing. So, you know, the the CRTC's affiliation for this legislation goes back to its own report. I think it was 2017, its harnessing change report, where it was sort of that was in in a sense the genesis for that then what became the broad uh, the 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 what was it BLTR. Uh, broadcast or BTLR uh, broadcast telecom legislation review panel, um, and and from that then spawned you know the online streaming act in terms of that. So it's been engaged from the beginning, you know, asking it to do reports and that sort of stuff. Now that's that's you know fairly natural and that sort of stuff. But there seems to be, you know, in my experience at the CRTC, it's not like nobody communicated with other people. You have to be communicating with other people so they know what's going on. They don't need to know about what your what your decisions are. Although, if you have a major decision, I don't think it was uncommon at all for, you know, the the the, the industry minister or the heritage minister to get a heads up before the news release went out. Um, but that's what it was was a heads up. Um, you know, by the way, this decision's coming out tomorrow. This is what it's going to say. Um, and usually the response, in my experience, I mean, there could have been more because I wasn't necessarily having, I didn't have those conversations, but uh, I was aware that they were being had. Um, you know, the response was generally, okay, thanks very much for letting us know. And that was pretty much the end of it. So, you know, to be fair, some of these communications could be simply of that nature um the, the the back and forth so it's i think it's a mistake to read too much into that but at the same time the fact like you pointed out that the you know the the myths and the the q and a's that were coming out from the crtc in the spring were so much like what the talking points coming out of heritage was what really thought when i looked at that i thought gosh guys read the room you know like <laughs> Take a look around, like see who else is in the room, because you've you've written this, and in a, in a manner that I'm sure will be, you know, uh, happily received by the the political staff and the heritage department. But what do you think it looks like to the to the rest of the people you're serving? Right, you're you're allowing yourself to be accused of being not independent, and that's something a regulator should be avoiding at all costs, because whether they you know, they could be behaving completely independently, but if people don't trust that they are, um, you know, that's that's the thing with trust. You know, do you trust that? You know, do you trust that a government-funded uh, news eight news organization is not being influenced by that funding? Well, the only way you can trust that is if they you take the funding away, or if that news organization continues to show a track record that is vigorously independent. So that's what bothers me the most about the CRTC is. It doesn't seem to be at all interested or worried about signaling its independence. I don't think it's, you know, necessarily, I, I'm not trying to make excuses for it, but in terms of context, I think one of the things that happens is when you, when you start appointing public ser career public servants to boards, you know, boards or commissions like the CRTC, what you're getting in is people who are not by nature independent, right? The, the public servants, Public servant's job is 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 to execute um, what the government wants, right? What Parliament decides is you, you get your orders and you execute them. So there's there's nothing 
I, I don't think there's anything within their instincts. I mean, they're they're qualified because first of all, you need to be bilingual, and that makes the the the, the pool fairly smaller. You need to be familiar with public policy, that makes the pool even smaller. So, but they're they're still bright people, but their instincts aren't independence, and I so I think they have trouble seeing that quite a bit, and which is why when you're appointing the commission, you got to make sure you have some people who understand how the business world works in, in terms of in terms of independence and that and that sort of stuff to to mix that up, who will encourage the leadership to push back in 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 proper ways. We take it that we've seen governments become increasingly assertive on CRTC agenda. And it's not just this government. We could go back to the Harper years uh, that started with public mandate letters and it became fairly clear about what they were they were looking for, but they were still Certainly some chairs that more zealously guarded the CRTC's independence and were very clear about that in ways that, that as, as you're pointing out, I don't think we see as as much right now. At the same time, of course, there is a role for government. You know, it's government. So it's, it's our elected representatives. They've they have a role and indeed a responsibility to ensure that that policies are are addressed. How how do we how do we navigate that? How how should the CRTC be navigating that to try to at least either restore trust or try to preserve public trust and and sort of forestall the potential risk that I think is becoming increasingly clear that it is viewed as less and less independent from government, which I think does undermine trust, as you've suggested. Well, I'd say it's, um, you know, to be sort of purely Machiavellian about it, you can manage some of that stuff with some of the little things right that don't need to be big things but you can you can show your independence like let's take the fox news complaint that was filed by yagal in the spring i think it was late march or early april and you know that uh, because of some things tucker carlson said regarding the trans community following one of those mass shootings in the states complaints were filed to the crtc so that listeners know that, and they they were asking that Fox News be delisted from the list of approved foreign channels for carriage on cable in Canada. Well, I mean, they issued a really weird decision that, uh, you know, well, it wasn't a decision. You know, they, they came up with a letter that said, well, it turns out this, you know, this issue is so complex that we have to do a complete review of you know, how we manage these things and that sort of stuff. And we won't be able to deal with your complaint, even though they're still keeping their complaint until we deal with that, which I don't know how you would deal with that complaint with a piece of retroactive regulations. But aside from that, just turn it down. Right? Just say, Tucker Carlson got fired. We consider the the, the matter is moot now. Um, thank you for your interest. We'll keep an eye on these things going forward. And at some point in the future, we look to, you know, uh, taking a broader look at this once we've figured out uh, where we're landing on, on the Online Streaming Act. Just make it go away officially. But there was a nervousness about this decision, which sort of said they didn't want to let, you know, sort of anybody down on that side, right? And it's kind of like, you know, you didn't need to do that. You just could have made the issue go away, right? Um, and and it's it's not that it's not that hard a decision. And it happened particularly as it was. It's only been like sixteen months since the previous CRTC, you know, got rid of uh, uh, RT Russia TV, as it was known. Um, 
with the same thing and just made that ruling and boom, off it, off it went, which again, that's CRTC with under Ian Scott. It could have managed that more independently too, because it, they were asked to, you know, I mean, they just dealt with it in two weeks. I mean, when was the last time you saw the CRTC deal with anything in two weeks? Uh, the heritage minister makes a request and, and there's just a, Yes, sir. No, sir. Or yes, sir. You know, jump how high sort of thing. Like, it's remarkable. And and again, you know, like guys read the room, right? But everybody's just the only person they seem to be caring about is their political masters um, in terms of how, you know, they're being publicly perceived. So, yeah, I think the Fox one was as much a giveaway as anything. Interesting. You know, what do, what do we include with this? I mean, it, when when you describe this this evolving or emerging scenario, you see a, a commission that is overloaded, unable to live up to the kind of workload and expectations that, that it faces, that it, it assured and the minister assured it, it was going to be able uh, to meet. And on top of that, mounting concerns about kind of how independent it is from government. You know, it, it, this feels like a, frankly, a broken commission just months after we had a, a series of new appointments, which were widely applauded uh, some some really good people coming on there um so so what next you know is 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 all of this is you know if you were back at the commission you know what steps would you take to to try to to right the ship so to speak well god it's, it's, it's such a it's such a muddle at the moment it's it's um well, I would say let's look on the look on the bright side a little bit on the telecom side, right? Um, and I, I mean, I don't mean that sarcastically. What I'm saying on the bright side is that they are still functioning on the telecom side. There, there are things they can focus on there where they can can get some wins uh, if they if they choose to do that in regards to th- uh, competitor access rates, uh, third party streamers. Um, MVNO, I mean, they currently have an MVNO policy, which isn't really an MVNO policy. Um, they could uh, get some, uh, you know, improve their reputation with the public, I think, by dealing with a couple of those issues. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're issues about competition. There's lots of talk coming out of uh, uh, Champagne's ministry about, you know, the need for competition and more competition makes things better. And that sort of stuff, but it's kind of this two-headed monster with the CRTC. You're trying to do more competition on, you know, the telecom side. So I would suggest that they focus, you know, they 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 try to get that those things moving along as quickly as they can and get some big decisions made there, because those inevitably get bogged down in in uh, court challenges and that sort of stuff. So it's it's hard to make progress there, but you can signal progress in that area. And on the broadcasting side, like I said, just just try to, to try to simplify the the online streaming regulation as much as possible, and then hunt as much as possible of that into the future. I mean, I think both you and I have written in the past that once they got into this, it was going to take ten years, right? And and now people are wandering into it, thinking, well, we'll have the bulk of the work done in you know, like a year and a half to, you know, take, let's call it 20 months, 22, 22 months. That's just completely naive. So there's a, there's a naivety about that. I think that when they go into that, and that's one of the difficulties, you know, there's great things about having fresh looks and fresh people uh, come into things. But one of the downsides is that 
you know, usually it's going to take you a year or two just to get up to speed on things. And in the case of Adam Scott treaties, they don't have that time, right? They've got, they seem to be under pressure, certainly with the online streaming act, they get money starting to flow. Um, and this is, I don't want to be too harsh, but it looks like they seem to be under a lot of pressure to get some money, some checks being written from the Canada Media Fund before the next election in 2025. And I think that's an inappropriate, uh, it's almost an inappropriate thing to have to, for, for me to say that, right? That they'd be doing that, but because you're not going to get it right if you do that, unless you make it really simple. So they need to pair the broadcasting thing down and then get back in the business of regulating broadcasting as quick as they can. And get that CBC thing done. Like, what's up with that? All right. So you got a pretty long list of of the kinds of things that they they could be doing, but I, I think the the clear takeaway here is that there are some significant problems, and that you know public confidence in a in a commission that has always kind of ebbed and flowed at best is is is, is been trending, I think, in the wrong direction for some really troubling reasons. The independence piece of it, uh, in particular, I think, is a significant source of concern. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. Thanks a lot, Michael. It's always a pleasure. That's the Law Bites podcast for this week. If you have comments, suggestions, or other feedback, write to lawbites at pobox.com. Follow the podcast on Twitter at lawbitespod or Michael Geist at mgeist. You can download the latest episodes from my website at michaelgeist.ca or subscribe via RSS at Apple Podcast, Google, or Spotify. The Law Bites podcast is produced by Gerardo LeBron LeBoy. Music by the LeBoy brothers, Gerardo and Jose LeBron LeBoy. Credit information for the clips featured in this podcast can be found in the show notes for this episode at michaelgeist.ca. I'm Michael Geist. Thanks for listening and see you next time.